Yeah. Hello, here we are. We've had a lovely chat in the green room. This is Geeta Joshi of the Curator Salon. I'm so chuffed to be able to be chatting to you because there's not many of us in this space. And it's really nice to chat to someone else who's like got a really solid, you know, kind of like grounding in this artist space, supporting artists on really growing their practice and getting a solid foundation. We say, you know, we hold artists and hold their hand but we also make sure that they put down solid roots so that when the wind blows, as we all know it does in the art world, their tree just waves. It doesn't go kachong and land on the ground. And, I, you know, having read your book, Gita, and um, seen what you do, you're very much in the same space as me. I think you're delivering the same. So it's a joy to have um, a fellow artist coach and doing the same kind of things in the room with me. And so welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, and we've got lots of people joining us, and that's great. And we'll have people over on um, the live stream on Facebook, and hopefully Sophie will be around to move over the questions for us. If Perfect. people who are watching us on Facebook, do put your questions there, because we're here to answer all your questions. And you can put them in the Ask a Question area as well. If you put them in the sidebar, folks, like I know you do sometimes, I might miss them. Now, if we miss them, we always go back and read everything afterwards and it's fine. We'll pick them up and either myself or Gita will um, email you with an answer. But if you want it answered live on screen, put it in the ask a question area at the bottom because you'll definitely then get it asked at the end of this. So first of all, what I'm going to do, which is what I always do, mm -hmm. is show you um, Gita's website so that when you arrive on it, you're confident you're in the right place. So. I was just saying to Gita, my son is back from uni and he's changed all my kit and I've got this really fancy now um, mouse, which is making it very tricky for me. So there we are. Um, that's your blog page, uh, your podcast page. So let's go back to the blog page first. Mm -hmm. Why did you call it the Curator Salon? It's interesting because um, I was talking to a friend and she and we were thinking like, oh, what was what should it what can it be called? I didn't want it just to be GitaJoshi.com. And she was saying something like, oh, like the chef's table is coming through me. It should be something like that. And so I kind of played with it because I quite like that. Um, and so it, one thing and another, it became the curator's salon because I come from a curating background. And the point of it was going to be a salon a space for discussion. And originally, I kind of set it up as a blog. So you can see that blog page is the most populated. Yeah. Because I had, um, I'd left the gallery. I was working with artists running their open studios programs. I was having lots of studio visits. I wanted to do sort of writing about books, exhibitions, but also share the sort of art business advice that people often came to me for. So it was a place to really to collate all of that. And then the idea of salon as a you know place for discourse and discussion and all of that kind of really sat well with me. So yeah, that's kind of how we came up with the curator's salon. So it essentially plucked out the air to be fair. A bit like Pure really. <laughs> I remember trying to come up with a name for Pure and I was like, well, are we just gonna purely work with artists? And someone said, purely. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay and this was a long time ago so it was like 13 years ago and when we googled so we were still in the age of googling to see whether that name was still available mm -hmm. and it was like no one had used pure now you can get pure water pure jumpers you can get pure oh, anything yeah. <laughs> 
but when we did it it was new and uh, yeah the salon word works really beautifully doesn't it in that kind of discussion space i think so I, i'm really happy with it and then i yeah i mean so the podcast obviously has the same name and you know i'm sort of thinking about a membership for artists as well so again that would have more of a salon vibe like more around discussion and peer support so yeah it's kind of working for me on many levels really i'm quite happy with um that's yeah. you know and having to rebrand would be quite a drama i think <laughs> no one needs that in their life today <laughs> going through a rebrand once you once everyone knows who you are i know everyone said to me use your name leslie sands because then no you'll never have to rebrand do you this but, is true but i don't know i mean i i like i mean gitajoshi.com it's fine but and I, and I think we are personal brands and this is what i tell artists you know when um, when we're coaching or, you know, coming through any of my programs, that it is, they are a personal brand. That is really what they need to expand. Mm. But it's, um, yeah, it's not easy, you know, I think, like stepping into being the face of it as well. So I was able to move slightly behind it by having the salon, but also leave space for other people to come in. But I think that's, I mean, for you as well, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, it doesn't, uh, if it had been Leslie Sams, I was like, how am I going to share that with other people? And I'm not someone who likes working on my own. I like collaborating. Mm. I like working with other people, sharing the energy and, you know, like really moving things forward because you're, you know, in that joint energy space. Nice. Yeah. You know, just like really share the love with everyone. And so, yeah, I think that's why Pure works so well. And, um, yeah, we like the word salon as well. We, use, yeah. we have sounds. We have pure sounds as well because we like the word. Oh, do you? Cool. Yeah. And that's for our collectors. So we use that word for our collectors because we do like live events where they come and have dinner with us. And mm -hmm. that's, a, that's how we use the word salon. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. I used to have, um, well, we, then they weren't called salons. They were like just called gallery suppers, actually. And we'd like basically hire out a restaurant and, um, and have people, you know, for dinner. I mean, it was artists that I would have. So that's not when I had the gallery itself, but that's what we did call them, gallery software. So, yeah, not, dis uh, not dissimilar. Yeah, no, that is very similar. Oh, it's a shame we can't do suppers now. I know, and I really <laughs> wanted to revive them this year, but it's the thing that we're just maybe we just have to look to next summer or something. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, now the way I would do it would be a bit different. And when I did them before, they were – basically, I chose who came to my dinners. <laughs> um <laughs> But I would kind of, you know, my community is different, my community is bigger, and I would like basically sort of, uh, I don't know, it'd be like ticketed or something, but it would be just much more open. And I think that would be a really nice way to engage with, you know, for artists to engage with other artists in the real, you know, in the physical sense over dinner without necessarily being in an art gallery. So you heard it here first, folks. Get quickly subscribe to Geeta's mailing list to get the invite to the first gallery suppers when all of this lockdown. So, so I think we might rebrand them. You called salons actually for that. Uh, yeah, that fits with it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love. It. Well, we picked the salons word because it means um, it means to um, yeah yeah to entertain and to and to educate and to please. And we were like, yeah, that's what we want to do. And so the salon works, yes. Oh, I can't wait. I'm definitely, well, I'm already on the phone. So. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're on the VIP list. I'm know. on the VIP list. <laughs> I think it's lovely, though, to be able to do that. It's a bit like the masterclass scenario, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
the coaching world is like you all get around the table and, and have a lovely dinner and just share ideas and perspectives. Yeah. No, super cool. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I watch this space because I think that's... That, yeah, that's good to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I've said it so, now. So this is like how yeah, I'm thing. It's live now. It's a thing. Out the, you know, out in the world, and then here we go. Yeah, that's that's how energy works, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Grab that. That's your idea. Go with that, and, and I'm happy to come along. <laughs> can't wait. Eat the food. It's exciting. Something to look forward to. We all need things to look forward to, don't we? Outside of this um, situation, because I think I. Yeah, we'll go back to where it all began with you, but just briefly touching on that lockdown, because obviously that's a new kind of thing, this second lockdown. I think some people who found the first lockdown really difficult will find this one really much easier. And then some who found the first one easier are seem to be finding this second notion of a lockdown really quite difficult to get their head around. And just shows we all just do things in our own way based on our own tendencies and where we are at that moment. Yeah, I think the season doesn't help. I mean, that's, I think, the thing that's slightly harder for me in this one is the weather is really awful. Um, it's, you know, getting dark by about 4.35 o'clock and as it's going to get darker still, you know, earlier, it's, um, that's not so friendly, I think, whereas through the summer or the, through the spring, at least we had good weather, you know, and there was something about that that kind of kept spirits higher. So let's see. Whereas for me, I like to hibernate a bit mm. in November and December. It's kind of my rest and restore moment. So I'm like, great. Now everyone's resting and restoring, so I'm not missing out on anything. I'm not missing out on any parties because everyone's got to kind of become a squirrel. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, I'm not missing going out, to be fair, because I was out at a studio visit yesterday and... The trains were all messed up and it you know took like two and a half hours to get back from Kingston to Peckham. That was just reminded me how much I, you know, appreciate not having to like be expected to be at places and you know, sort of doing a lot of all of this on Zoom and crowdcast and all the things is actually yeah, I've adjusted pretty well to that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, down in Sussex we've always suffered with um train situations yeah you I remember there was like about three years ago when um there was a load of landslides because of rain and no one could go to london for about or come down here from london for about six months so we're kind of used to winter <laughs> being told we can't go anywhere or do anything this is just like natural for us <laughs> yeah i get my i squirrel in my food i up my avocado order and uh yeah we'll be all right we'll we'll be fine <laughs> we've just got to keep everyone uh, motivated and having fun and yeah how exciting it is that we can now we're all now the first lockdown made us all much more adept at this yeah 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 so good yeah talking online and being comfortable with it and having having fun having having good times i think so, a lot of us like you and i actually have also connected with more people than we might have done yeah. without a lockdown you know i mean it forced us to just basically reach out to people that we maybe knew sort of through our peripheral circles and you know make connections and people more open to you know let's have a zoom chat or whatever it's you know much more accessible and i think for artists as well their ability to get in front of curators who were not busy in museums and exhibitions because they were also working from home and had capacity because they didn't 
you know, their shows were basically not happening. Yeah. I think, that, I mean, it's worked in all sorts of ways for people. Yeah, mysterious ways mm -hmm. these things work in. Um, the world works in mysterious ways. My mum used to say that to me as a child. The world works in mysterious ways. Uh, hi, Annie. We're, we're smiling, don't you worry. <laughs> I connected with Geeta during this time. I was saying to her while we were chatting in the green room that, you know, I was like, when we went into the first lockdown, I was like, okay, now I've got a bit of time. I can like look around and see who else is in my space. And I found Geeta through that. And then I was like, and I started watching what she was doing. And I would never have done that because I was so much in the real world. Mm. I never would have done that. And so, yeah. Artists have been able to get online and find new projects to follow. Like there's been all the journaling, hasn't there? All the yeah. artists journaling and the, all the various, like um, the artist support pledge, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Amazing. Brilliant. And yeah, they've had that opportunity. And so have we as, you know, on the other side, the business kind of mentors, the curators and gallerists and have had a little bit more time. So as you say, people are a bit more, I've sent, messages to people that i never thought would actually reply, reply to me I really? and, I have, and it's been a joy it's like oh wow just a little bit of a chat that's all you need yeah and then you're like yeah oh i'm stimulated now i'm you know i'm inspired i can go and do something else so but we need to go back to the beginning because we need yeah. to know Gita's mm -hmm. story so why art why did you get into this come on why did I get into it? Um, How did you get into all of this, this art thing? <laughs> I think uh, um, art history was only the only subject that ever really resonated with me, I think. So that's when I first did art history at A-level, and then I followed it through with a degree. And, and then back in, I don't know when it was, like maybe 2010 or something, I um, did a curating course at Central St. Martin's. And I think that's when it all really fell into place for me. That's when I was able to sort of see my sort of interest in art, contemporary art, and actually be a participant of it rather, you know, because I'm not an artist. I don't come from a fine art background or I haven't been to art school or any of that stuff. But it was the curated. Suddenly there was this thing that, you know, I knew existed but hadn't really had any experience of. And curators are quite behind the scenes right so you know if you go into talks and things you might sort of hear a curator but you don't really know what they do and so doing this um, course at St Martin's was really quite change you know quite life-changing for me in that way and that's because over the years between university and doing that program I've done a lot of, I've worked in I'd worked for a Royal Fine Art Commission I'd worked for um, architectural practices consultancies then I'd ended up working in finance so that was just a way that I was able to now bring the art and the business sort of side of my life together. So that's where I really sort of found that intersection and thought, okay, well, this is how I can do what I really want to do, which is something in the art world. Because I've always had this idea when I left university, or I mean, I think it's pretty much taught through uni, or it was when I was there, that to do something with your degree, because that's what we usually want to do, you have to work in a museum. And people like me were not really represented in the museum sector, you know, and um, I didn't really have um, experience or exposure to, I suppose, commercial galleries. Um, so it was, you know, it was quite different in the 90s. So it was really, you know, the curating that I did, well, maybe what's that, about 10 years ago, mm. that 
made me think, okay, well, I've got all this experience and this is how I bring the two things together. We were coming out of another sort of recession or something, weren't we, when everything crashed what, about 2008. And so there was a big emphasis on um, startups, on entrepreneurs, on all, all these sorts of things. So this is kind of how I basically sort of learned all of that. And that was just a period when all of that was going on. You know, for me, it was around art and business. So pulling them two things together. So had a, what did I do? We had a thing at uh, Somerset House. And then I decided to do an art fair up in Manchester. And then it's when I was doing that art fair that I thought, ah, this is what I really love was actually talking all day to people about art and getting them excited about it and um, and then selling art. So that's when I came back from that, which was about October of whatever year it was, 2013, I think. Um, but I thought, yeah, I really want to get premises. I could do this all the time. This is what I love doing. So came back, put the feelers out and um, moved into premises in Waterloo, November of that year. So it all happened really fast. It all kind of you know, fell into place quite quickly from you know going to the, the fair up in Manchester and coming back and finding the premises and moving in. Wow, because that, I mean, it is fascinating, isn't it? About, you know, culturally our background. I know when I was at school, I was like you, I was just fascinated in sociology, people, anthropology and art history. And I was sent on to do a, a work experience in a library Oh, fabulous. Can you imagine me in a library? <laughs> I've never been quiet. I lasted about three minutes, I think, before I was like, out. <laughs> and then ended up in finance, very similar. Um, but I think the thing that resonates so strongly with me, is with, with your story, is that thing about when crisis happens, like 2008, 2009, that's when I started Pure as well. Oh, right. And I think when you're in that and that's what you know the lesson for now is isn't it is these things seem like the end of the world when they happen you know that financial crash and everything was crashing around our ears at that point a bit like now but actually it makes this moment it opens this energy window that if you step into it you can get into a really good flow and there's so many opportunities yeah I mean, I this I is it. it what you want to listen into, isn't it, as well? You know, because there's a lot of doom and gloom if you read the national papers or, you know, even a lot of the news. But you have to see the opportunities within it and the potential within each of these sort of, you know, what is generally presented as a crisis. You know, so this year since lockdown has been amazing for me, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that that's been true for a lot of people. But that's because I also refuse to see, you know, the... the um, difficulties of working in lockdown it's like no i'm available on zoom and that's how we're going to have this business and that that works so yeah it's having that positive mental attitude isn't it mm. and knowing from experience and we're lucky that we've had one or two experiences in our lifetime so where we've seen that the paradigm shift comes when there is an energy shift that makes it available and i think that 2008 2009 did it and i think now is a similar kind of thing. I'm seeing yeah. so many innovations happening, people changing the way they do things, yeah. that that is exciting, that they never would have done if this hadn't have happened. And I find that so inspiring and so exciting. So during lockdown, you've been forced 
to finish your book, haven't you? And launch your book. No, actually, that's that's not quite the timeline on it. Can, ah. I, take, can I take you through it? Like, go on, take me through the timeline um, of the book. So I, basically, that book has been work in progress for actually years. So when I when I had the gallery, one of the things that used to happen is people would come in and you know or pitch me their work and things and they were just doing a really not great job of it. So um so I used to run these workshops called Getting Gallery Ready. So they would like be able to come in and we'd have like an hours workshop or something, you know. I can't remember they might have been free or might maybe they were five or just on event right or something. But that's what it was. It was like a support workshop. So hang on, let me help you get in shape before you go pitch into galleries. And um, and then that I was doing that. I was working um, as a trustee for a visual arts charity, working with artists, and I ran the Open Studios program. All these sorts of things. So a lot of what I was doing, I kind of wanted to document. And I thought, okay, it'd be really cool to have a book. And so bit by bit, I was actually writing this book over a number of years. And so I had a folder on my computer. And in many ways, as I think quite commonly happens when people start writing books, it's like a complete brain dump. And it's like, I've got to put everything I know into this book. And of course, like nobody wants to read that book anyway. But um, you'd have to make that an audio book. Read it to the Instagram stories. You know, <laughs> exactly. You blow by blow a cow. Um, no, so and then last year I was like really decided and really wanted to get that book published and get it done. And I, though, so I actively spent a lot of time writing it or reviewing what I'd written and you know pulling into chapters and things like that. And then um, I didn't get it done last year. So at the start of this year, so 2020, I actually hired a, a publishing coach. So she was she's a coach who helps you get your book published. And at this point, I also knew that I was going to self-publish because um, at the time I didn't have the book title, which is um, how to build an art career without a gallery. But I thought the idea of having a, a writer chasing a publisher was like an artist chasing a gallery, that you thought you needed it, but actually you didn't. You've got the resources out there. So I knew I was going to self-publish, and that's when I hired um, the publishing coach. So we were on a 12-week program. That started in January, we kind of fine-tuned it. So I had a lot of the material, but was able to do some, maybe some audience research, a bit of uh, keyword research, come up with the uh, book title and test it, um, and then sort of sort out the actual, what the chapters were gonna be. And so it had a actual flow to it, as opposed to this brain dump that I had in a, you know, a folder. Sorry, can you hear the, somebody's got a leaf blower going outside? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's the, it, it just adds to the atmosphere. It does. <laughs> it's <laughs> so the book, um, so it was over this 12 weeks, we actually got that book written, uh, consolidated, you know, put together in some sort of made sense. And in about March, it, um, no, February, I think it was, February, March, it was with the editor. So, I mean, I then had to hire an editor and all sorts of things with it, right? Just self-publishing doesn't mean I'm literally doing everything. It's, um, I'm just still only writing and I'm overseeing the marketing, but I still hire people to do things, including editing. Um, so all of that happened. So we had a launch for April, which just happened to at that point be in the depths of lockdown. So it, yeah, so my book was already in process for this year. And, um, you know, working with a coach was just kind of getting me accountable to getting that done. And um, yeah, making it happen. And so we launched 
in April. And again, I had to sort of put a positive spin on like, what does this mean? Because I've got the book is in two parts. And the second part of the book is showing yourself without a gallery. So we talk about hospitality spaces, art fairs, open studios and so on. But of course, all of this was like suddenly being cancelled. You're getting all these emails going, oh, fair's not happening and yeah. studios postponed or cancelled. So suddenly the second part of that book felt a bit redundant, but I refused to be wavered by, I suppose. It was like, no, that first part of the book, which is all about building your audience, getting on social, all of that is hugely relevant. And sure, that artists can go and read part two of the book, but, and they'll just have that knowledge for when, you know, when doors open again and, you know, we are socially mobile again because, you know, um, we're allowed to be outside and, you know, we go to events and things. So, I mean, this year has been, you know, things opened up and now they've closed down again. But I think anybody reading that would still find value for it if they were going to, like, you know, plan ahead for next summer even. So I tried not to be like, oh, my God, I've written the wrong book by any means and very much leaned in when I came to marketing and talking about it for it being that, that first part of the book, like I said, which is around marketing and brand that needed to um, be the message that people actually had now had time to implement and also saw the power of their digital presence and their online presence and how impactful that could be to building a business. Yeah, now I, I um, got it on um, my Kindle because mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated. And, you know, so much what you write is, you know, as you say, I say, uh, people say, how long did it take to create this course or write that? You know, I've written a book as well. How long does it take to write this book? I say it takes a lifetime. It takes you your lifetime plus three months <laughs> lifetime plus three months to write to write that book and that's the thing it's never going to be redundant because that's that was your experience it's really true it has so much integrity we are going to go back to some of those things afterwards and and even not even if some of them don't carry on there's skills that you can transfer from those things so yeah there's never a moment when your experience isn't relevant to you know what mm. it's just that now you've got another book to write which is how to sell your art yourself online with all the other things so you can now do a chapter three <laughs> <laughs> on all the extra things that people can now do digitally online it's great when you do a yeah, when you do I mean, right, you can add a chapter three to your book. I mean, I in my group program, so I ran an artist group program in September and then ran it again in October. And we also did touch on things like virtual exhibitions and virtual um, studio tours and things like that as well. So I think that I am going to do something about that, but I'll probably just do it as an online course or something. I, I think writing a book takes a lot of time and the tech around it is quite um it's, it's so it what's the word changes so fast yes. so that would be a funny thing but i think the marketing like even if you had virtual open studios or virtual exhibition any of that what you learn through the book exactly. about marketing is still 100 percent relevant yeah absolutely when i read it i was like all oh, this is completely transferable on yeah, yeah. the online world it's just you take out the word art fair and you put in virtual and you know it's all just completely transferable for anyone who's reading it which i thought was you know very good um what are the key messages though for the book what's your key messages what was the thing um, i really need to get this through 
The artist is the best advocate of their work and needs to learn to become their own agent. Absolutely. I think that, and I think, you know, under that, which if I do another book, it's going to be more about this topic, which is about trust and faith and self-belief. And, and that's how you can become a better advocate of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting comfortable, isn't it? Talking about yourself, like we're doing. Like we're doing, yeah. <laughs> Looking completely at yourself for like an hour on a screen. It's like, whoa. When I first did this back at the beginning of lockdown, I was like, I feel very uncomfortable with this. But now it, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. But it is. It's just getting comfortable with your elevator pitch, getting comfortable with your story, getting comfortable with hearing your own voice back at yourself, hearing all of the when I listen to myself back, because we've done some audio extractions of the talk so that they're podcasts as well. And so I, I listen to them and I think, gosh, I can hear all of the various accents from all the places I've lived in my life coming through. And it's like, oh dear. But I'm sure no one else hears that. <laughs> all the, I, lived, I lived in South London for quite a big part of my life and I can hear that little twang at the back. That is is my South London swag. But yeah, you just gotta get comfortable with it, haven't you? Yeah. And, and then get confident. Yeah, I, I mean I think it helps that you know if you are working with a coach or something like that, is to actually start learning what it is that you want to share and what parts of your own story that you've perhaps not publicly shared before or people don't know about you, and it's like, okay, is there a resistance there or is that actually, you know, giving us more value into how we, I don't know, interpret your work, for example. So I think there's like key things that you can always sort of bring out. But yeah, definitely. It's all about getting comfortable because, you know, people are so interested in the artist, you know, and I think the artist needs to, this is, you know, the self-advocacy, self-education is all about that. People are interested in the artist as much as they are in the artwork. Absolutely. The story, whenever I've been doing art fairs or exhibitions and, you know, um, such like people will come up and, and they'll, they'll say oh are you the artist and i'll say no i'm the curator and they kind of look at you kind of blankly because the general public don't really understand what that means and i'll say no this is my artwork and they say oh 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 i get that now you know how i the journey that you go right. on in this exhibition is my creative output and each individual artist has their story. And I can tell you the stories if you would like to. And that's why it's been curated in this way. And they are transfixed about the story. And my book was called What's the Story? Because I was so interested in that. And so um, so resonates with me about the book. Though. So I wrote one book and I was intending to write a second book. Never made it. Never, never managed it. <laughs> What's the story to never happened? <laughs> It's all still in digital form. Someone's got to oh. transcribe it. I did all the interviews, but never got a no. It takes your life. It, it really is a, um, it really does take a lot of energy to write a book. So I have great mm. respect for you. Um, yeah, I don't know if I will do a second one. I mean, sometimes I think, oh, yeah, there's another one coming. Coming through. <laughs> it's like, no. And that, I think that's like, yeah. You know, I get to choose, right? I decide if that's happened and I'll know when it really is right to, you know, bring another book into the world or, or not. It's, yeah, you know, we, we get all these choices. So let's remember yeah. that. Conscious decision-making is a thing. Yeah. And then I wonder what is it that, if we've got the choice, what is it that holds us back? 
sorry if we i was, I was reading <laughs> there's people writing yeah if we have the choice we mm -hmm. have because the choices are all ours mm -hmm. what is it that holds us back what might be the reason why you know we don't do that because often we can see all those clear things in front of us but you know i know sometimes I've chosen not to do it and you know, I can hear the voices in my head, you know, and I'm like, what is it? That's, what is that voice doing? Why is that holding me back? What is it the reason why I'm not moving forward with that? So this is, I mean, this is where it gets really interesting, isn't it? Like exploring what is in the gap, because like, is that an ego goal that you want? You know, that thing, right? You want to have a book or, you know, in my case, I wanted to have a book and I knew it was going to be a bestseller. And I was 100% aware that that was an ego goal. But I was also aware that I knew that the book I was going to write was going to impact lives. And I have a phone full of messages telling me exactly that. So, you know, it's like, like I said, this book was in draft or a work in progress for many years. But it came, it came out into the world at the right time. Like maybe I wasn't the person to be able to follow through on, on the book, not just the book, but the impact of it two years ago when it was just a draft copy in various forms. So I think there's, you know, what's in the gap is, it can be experience, it's settling into yourself, it's the confidence, it's it's all sorts of things. You know, I mean, for other people it can be, I mean, we all have it, but you know, elements of self-sabotage or the inner critic holding you back and, um, or even the fear, isn't it? Like, of, like what it could lead to. Yeah, like, not you're really speaking your truth in that, if it's a book or a painting, it's like, oh my God, and you're fearing criticism. And so you avoid doing it as well for that reason. So, you know, fear, avoidance, so all, all the parts of the, you know, all the shit in the gap, really. <laughs> it is that, isn't it? I know, you know, myself, when I've looked at things, I'm like, why? what's holding me back from that? I've been reading this book. Have you read the Jay Shetty book, Think Like a Monk? No, I haven't. Is it good? I've been, yes, I would definitely recommend it. I've been listening to it on audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And now I had a real thing about this guy, Jay Shetty, because he does a lot on social media. And I realized I'd got a bit of a mindset thing about him because I kept seeing him on social media and he kept sending, you know, for some reason I'd managed to get on some sort of subscribe list where he kept sending me emails, which I found very annoying. And, um, and so I'd resisted reading this book for a while because I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't like what you're peddling. You know, you're in, you're chucking loads of stuff at my inbox, which I'm not interested in and I don't like it. And then I got a, I don't know, I signed up for this audible thing where you get, you know, one book a month. Mm -hmm. So, and um, I'm trying to reduce my screen time. Okay. So I thought I'll download, I'm going to download this book and listen to it. And I thought, see, it's that perception thing, isn't it? It's what's in the gap. I thought, he, he think like a monk. He's just like adopting that whole thing about we're all into meditation and like soul searching and everything. No, he actually was a monk. I mean, I think there's something, yeah, interesting about him because he's also very young to be... I don't know, there's something about the people that talk about the spiritual world, you know, like, so my um, reference points to people like Deepak Chopra and so, yeah. you know, like those people. So they are, 
older and you know a lot of which we associate with wisdom and you know he's a very young very good looking guy and he seems a bit too young to be talking about that sort of um ascension and you know these sorts of things but then you know when it kind of came out that he was also like a i don't know what you call this but a facebook favorite that facebook were basically literally using him as a test to put on everybody's profile like without him paying ads and stuff you know there was that kind of thing going on so we all saw his things and it was like a test that they were doing around yeah like you know their reach i suppose um there was something about that that felt a little bit scammy exactly i felt like i was being scammed and spammed by jay shetty Mm. and that actually made me not want to read his book and and that's a really interesting lesson isn't it as a marketeer as Mm. someone who's massively into you know our backgrounds are in marketing i know when i first started my business and i had a coach helping me set the business up and he said you know you it's a marketing and pr business leslie no it's just in art but it's a marketing and PR. be honest, have integrity about that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Just be yeah. honest about it. And I felt I was being spammed and scammed by this guy. And I didn't, and, and like you, Deepak Chopra, I've done the 21 day abundance. I oh, love everything awesome. he does. And I'm, I am team Deepak. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I am team Deepak. So I was really... laws, all of those, exactly. you know, like I have them on audible as well. But I will sometimes just like, you know, if you go into the shop and I'll just put on a random chapter and you'll walk into the shop, you know, like go through. (laughs) I love that. You know, I'm there. I go through my WhatsApp messages and pick up a day. I'm like, oh, I'm on day 17 today. I'm going to listen to Deepak. (laughs) Yeah, 21 days. And the ones he did with Oprah, I really liked those. They were great, actually. And it's been, I'm not so actively i don't know doing any of their programs at the moment but i have bought in enjoyed in the past with the mind valley ones yes i like um what's he called joe 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 dispenser dispenser mm. yeah i like joe dispenser yeah and um and i listen to him a lot as well Same, actually i know i was yeah. listening to him yesterday he's another one like i've got two of his books like breaking the habit of being yourself and the other yeah. one and yeah. uh, again, like I can just listen to random chapters and still hear new things. Well, on his and Deepak's actually. Yeah, um, I listened to him about the whole thing about the bubble, about you walking around in your bubble, and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, um, you know, I completely get that. And yeah, I love Joe Dispenza, I love Deepak Chopra, love Mind Valley, and um, so yeah, so I, I was really resisting this. Um, I don't want to say yeah, his yeah. name. Yeah, Jay Shetty, don't say his name because he's, oh, he's already had plenty of exposure. Yeah, honestly. we don't need to impact the SEO here. <laughs> exactly, he doesn't need any more help. Um, but I actually, I have started listening to it and I'm, I'm getting a bit more respectful. Mm-hmm. Having listened to, I'm about, I suppose I'm in about a third in now. And I'm getting a bit more respectful because he actually genuinely was a monk for a couple of years. And he mm-hmm. genuinely did that. And when... The problem is then he says he lives in LA and he's living, you know, this and I'm like, no, you you you're not helping yourself again. Jay, stop yeah. it. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. not helping. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because you know, why wouldn't you want to live in LA? You know, it's that's the other thing. It's like I think even the Deepak Chopra 
stuff actually is somewhere out there in California as well. And, you know, there's a whole TM branches and, you know, retreats and everything out there. I mean, it's a very ripe audience for it. But it's like, yeah, you know, when you associate it with the glamour of LA, then it's like, oh, but that doesn't quite vibe with the (laughs) monastic thing you're selling me here. Okay, and that's so that, that's so right. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know whether you've done. Have you done TM? Have you done TM training? No, but I might imminently because I went on there. Well, even there, sadly, having to do a lot of this by Zoom, so I was on a like a taster or introy thing, and then yeah, and with then Marek, do the three you, to five day thing. Did you do it with Marek? Marek no. Lawrence. Marek Lawrence. Uh, so I think they probably have different people in different counties. So we have Marek here in Sussex. I'm actually booked on to do his training on the 14th of November to do TM training. So is that how many? Three days? So it's I'm doing a, well, it was meant to be a weekend. Yeah. So the three days, yeah. But um, I don't know how it's going to work now. So I'm waiting to hear from him and how that's going to work because it was the 14th of November, which is right in the middle of lockdown. So I so presume I- it'll just be on, online. So I um, was uh, speaking to the people at one of the... In London, there's about three centres. I was speaking to them at one of those. So, yeah, I was... It was just one of those things, because what is it? It's like four or five hundred pounds. Okay. And it's three... It's not three full days, you know, just for anybody listening. But it's three... You have to do like three consecutive days. It's 90 minutes of training, isn't it, on three consecutive days? Yeah. So it, so it was a combo of those sorts of things. So I, I think I am going to do that in a minute. So it'd be really cool if you did it as well. And then we'll come out in November, like both. Like, I know, we've had yeah, him like David Lynch, have we? <laughs> we can meet up and become competition for Jay Shetty. You were like, you might be a monk, but we are both TM trained. <laughs> Back off. And we don't yeah. live in we live in Peckham and Sussex. We don't live in LA. We are the real deal. <laughs> I got a problem with an interesting LA. thing because it's such a celebrity um, advocacy, you know, and celebrity following. But the other thing I realised is, as I was kind of looking into it before I sort of had my meeting with them a few weeks ago, was that it's actually one of the few that's actually trademarked, you know, as a meditation practice like yoga. There's so many different types. But this is, I mean, it's TM is a thing is like, and that's why you do this, like, what is it, pay 500 pounds. And there's a very particular way you learn it over three days. And then you've got I your. I love it. Edith said she did it on the sidebar. He just said when she did it in the 60s, it was 10 quid. <laughs> no, it's not 10 quid now. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do. So for anyone who's watching, they do bands. So it's if you earn up to this amount, you pay X. If you earn up to this amount, so I think it's done in the kind of tax bands, isn't it? So if you earn up to 12, or if you don't earn anything, I think you can have a negotiation with them. Then if you earn up to 20,000 pounds, you pay one price. And if you earn 40, you would pay another. And then over 40,000, I think it's quite expensive. I think, I mean, I think the highest, unless you were going to go into more of a donation, I think the highest is about 500 pounds. Oh, is it? Is that the highest level? I can't yeah. remember. So if you're earning over... What, what did you say? Forty yeah. or fifty thousand? Yeah, then it's, it's about five hundred pounds, and yeah. then even below it is about I don't know three fifty. I think it's two hundred and sixty plus back or something like that. I can't remember now. Oh, I don't know yeah. about that bit. I didn't really pay attention, but it was a. <laughs> you weren't paying attention, were you? 
<laughs> I'm always paying attention to that. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, you know, it's like you do an online course and you think, okay, well, have I got time to implement it now and do it or shall I wait for it to come around again? I mean, I know with TM you can obviously go and do the program anytime. So I think that's what I was looking at, you know, just... Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. But um, that would be really cool if we ended up doing it at the same time. Yeah, no, I think that's like, We should. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. drew you to TM? Um, so I would, I've been into uh, Reiki and meditation. You've just reversed the roles. I'm meant to be the interviewer. How did that happen? <laughs> Segway. <Coaching. laughs> so I, yeah, I've been um, doing Reiki and I found it really, really good and then I got introduced to meditation and I found it really helpful in just managing myself and my own energy and um, because obviously like you I'm very busy and I've got and when you're coaching you don't it's not like therapy you don't take people's problems on and wear them like a coat but it is still quite energy sapping uh, because I do it like you, you know, I put my entire self into it. I listen really carefully and I really, you know, do it with my full self. And so I found meditation is a really good thing to get me ready for that. And I found meditation when I started doing the talks really good to get me into the mindset when I was trying to, you know, get over my all my fears of coming online. Meditation for, you know, 20 minutes before I was doing it really helped me. So then this, I saw that thing online for, you know, a taster for TM. So mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I'm going to have a look at that. And then I, so I did the taster and then I got him to come and do a talk for all the members. And so I listened to it again. I was like, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And Deepak as well, having done the 21 Day Abundance. So yeah, all of he those talks things. about it a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the way it, in terms of like, you know, looking at it from a marketing lens, it, it does seem very powerful as if it is, presented as like probably the most powerful sort of and easiest type of um uh, meditation you know and i think the way like david lynch talks about it as well it's yeah it's really i'm, I'm into it i'm into it you know Me too. I'm, and i like that you know, what you said was like quite important about um you know when we're coaching as coaches you know we hold a lot of space and i feel like you know one of the things that i'm very aware of is that i have to be very present with my clients you know whether it's well obviously it's all virtual these days and that's even more reason because they can't read so much i don't know body language and things so yeah it is you know takes a lot of um energy so that do you um also like cleanse or anything before yeah do all of that stuff because i just think it gets me into it just gets me in the right space and this takes a lot of energy Mm -hmm. takes, to do it properly to, you know you're getting into rapport with someone you have you know what energy we're putting out on the screen people are picking up i want them to really uh, this hour has been a valuable investment by them that they you know spent time with us and so yeah all of these things are really yeah really important and especially now we're going into this you know second lockdown we we it's we have a responsibility i know we're not we're not the savior as we said, you know, we're not there to save. I'm not there to save the world, but I am. But I do have a responsibility to do what I do ethically mm -hmm. and in the best way I possibly can. And I take that seriously. Yeah. 
I take that responsibility seriously, is that, you know, we're doing the best we can. I don't want anyone to go away feeling um, harmed or, uh, you know, low energy when they, you know, they've been with us. So, yeah, it's really important. Or that they've not had, um, how can I put this, that it's not just an add-on, you know, what we do. I mean, like coaching, we're doing it, both of us, what we're saying in the green room. Yeah. Supporting artists through the different ways is what we're doing anyway like whether it was curating or you know we've both run galleries and all of that without supporting the artist but you know through the coaching as well it's very much sort of being there to yeah for that support that they've yeah, not I don't want it to feel like an add-on I want it to feel like you know and it is for me and I know it is for you that it's mm. I genuinely care yeah I genuinely care about these people and I think that the artists often the reason I came into it is because I felt that the artists you know, in business, when you're working in a company, you've got all that infrastructure, haven't you, around mm -hmm. you? And if you've got a problem, you know, there'll be something there that you can access. But artists didn't have that. They work alone. And so, you know, to hold that space and be that kind of corporate structure in a non-corporate way, because they never want the corporate, they want it in a different way. Yeah, it's, you know, what we do is like provide the resources, really. But in a This is where we have to be, I mean, I think as, you know, coaches and the sorts of businesses we're running and many people, you know, we have to be both our own, I don't know, HR department and yeah. head of marketing and head of development and yeah. head of IT and all of it, you know, it's like, whoa, it's a lot of hats, you know. It is, it's a lot of hats that we and the artists have to wear. And so I think that's where the empathy comes because we're doing that kind of solo business that mm. what they call it now, the trendy word, portfolio business. Mm -hmm. and um and that's what they're doing that's what artists are doing essentially so yeah you're helping them um guide guide and support and care care we care we i care. care i genuinely care 100%. and that's you know that's why i spend three months writing a course not three minutes mm -hmm. because i genuinely care and that's why you spent your life plus three months writing that book because you genuinely care and you don't want to put something out there that, you know, someone could Google on the Internet that, you know, this is mm -hmm. from a lived. That's what we say. It's from a lived experience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we live it and we and we know it. So I'm really surprised that we haven't got any questions from the audience. And they're normally really on this question thing. We must have given them so much good value. To so much. We were thinking about it, but uh, oh, we've, yeah, just resolved every. You know, <laughs> every. I genuinely surprised none of you have got any questions. Um, you've normally filled this question box with, you know, um, so I'm hoping that we've done a really good job today because there's loads of people watching. Um, Julia has said another person to have a look at is Craig Hamilton. And um, I don't know Craig myself. No, but yeah, you know, she's saying to have a look at um, Craig as well. So um, yeah, we'll have a look at that. So thank you so much for sharing yeah. this space with me. Um, your book, just bring it to the screen, I think, because it's been sat on that radiator getting. Oh, no, it's like, could I put it there? Yeah, <laughs> look, there you are. some kind of a ledge here. You need a ledge. Yeah, you need a floating shelf. So here we go. It's called Show Your Art, How to Build an Art Career Without a Gallery. It's available on Amazon um, as an ebook, which is, I think, £5, and as the paperback. 
um, for £12. In the paperback, there are areas where you can write in it. It's got areas for your notes. Brilliant. It's got some uh, checklists that you can actually use and um, tick off. Love a checklist. So it's, yeah, so the book, you know, if you get the print copy, then there's areas that you can actually write in it as well and things like So, you know, for example, if we're looking at like your website, then you can sort of tick in, um, make your notes on, okay, what are the areas that you need to improve on your website that, you know, that we reference in the book, for example. So there's all sorts of things. There is um, social media prompts, actually, you know, prompts for your written content. So whether you're going to do blogs or social posts or anything, because this was like a classic sticking point for a lot of artists I was working with. And again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about communicating their message and aspects of their story. So it's done in a very sort of gentle way to guide you sort of through that. So, yeah, that is available on Amazon. If you hate Amazon, of course, you can um, head over to the Curator's Salon and you can buy it there as well. And then I will ship it out to you. Yeah, go to the Curator's Salon. What we need to do, we need to make sure that in this lockdown, we don't fall into the trap of going to Amazon and buying all our Christmas presents online. Mm. <laughs> we need to wait and either go to all the little shops in our local community and buy Click and Collect, because I know a lot of them are doing mm -hmm. that, or yeah, on their websites. And yeah, buy Gita's book directly from her, because you'll get all the money then, and you won't have to give some Oh, this is true as well, yeah. yeah. I think what's he called? Yeah. Benzos, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> Who's that, huh? but, Was he Jeff Benz Bezos? Oh, Jeff guy? Bezos, yes. Yeah, who runs yeah. Amazon. He doesn't need any more money. He's got enough money to for 55 lifetimes now. <laughs> Don't do it. Go to Gita directly. Because as you say, I mean, I got it as a Kindle version mm -hmm. just because I like, obviously I wanted to read it and I was fascinated um, with your story. Um, but you don't get all the checklists and all the pages and all the extra added value on that. It's definitely worth getting the print copy so you can like go through the checklists. Yeah. Um, and I think people, I mean, I do like a physical book as well. Um, I, I mean, I published the ebook back in April and then it came out in paperback in August. So there was a time lag, but my publishing it as an ebook was part of just like getting that out there. And, you know, that was part of the journey. But I think, you know, a lot of people then you get to save some trees as well. So. Yeah. My librarian in me, the two minutes I did. So <laughs> buy a book. Go and have a book. <laughs> the old librarian. So we have got a question, actually. Ooh. So let's see this question. I would like to ask you about fashions in art and how it may influence your own taste or the other way round. Oh, that's from Julia. Fashion trends in art. So oh. I know when we went into 2008, 2009, there was a massive <laughs> surge then for quite a few years into um, photorealism in art, wasn't mm -hmm. it? And then we kind of segued out of that and we went more into abstract because people were feeling more relaxed and comfortable. And now I, I have seen a little bit of a resurging into this um, photorealism taste again. What are your feelings on that? Um, I think it's wherever our attention is going. Like for me, I think, about four or five years ago, I think street art was really peaking or anything that was street art referenced, even if it was within a gallery context. So that was like, or at least I was seeing a lot of that um, around the sort of my uh, peers um, that were art dealers or, um, you know, just around. That seemed to be a really strong thing. And that might also, I don't know, but possibly have been an, a London thing or an urban thing as well. So if you're in, um, 
you know, less urban spaces that you might not have been exposed to it. So I think it's, I don't know what, when we say, what are the trends coming through? Because like, which level of the market are we looking at? You know, if it's like the, I don't know, even the national media, they're only going to cover whoever's buying their ads in the end, you know, or whoever's got a newsworthy story. So that can really kind of affect the broader perception. What I'm looking at right now is a lot of collage. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing yeah. a lot of collage. And I am really liking it. I feel, um, you know, I mean, collage obviously has been around for a very long time, right? I mean, it really is the original mixed media, isn't it? But, you know, I mean, with the resurgence of things like the um, Picasso exhibition earlier this year, Picasso on paper, that kind of brought that back in. Uh, people like the Jealous Curator, you know, she also loves collage. So what she shares is very collage based. But that is kind of a lot of what I'm seeing in mixed media with like cyanotypes and gold leaf and those sorts of blends. Um, I think experimental, I think, is what yeah. I would say. A lot of it pushing the boundaries and experimental. And the other thing I'm really sort of enjoying is, and again, it's a little bit collagey, but it's actually um, fine artists who are oil paint or painters. But it's like social media as reference points in their artwork. Have you seen those? Like people like Sean Hopkins and uh, Lawrence Gavalmi, where they're, you know, they've made a painting, but it looks like, a, uh, I don't know, like an old master, but then with, a text over it or yeah i've know, seen someone doing kind of old master yeah and most um old master styles but it's referencing zoom yeah yeah that sort of thing so i'm seeing yeah. a lot of that that's referencing social and you know contemporary culture culture yeah which is um, what you would hope artists would do is respond to you know that's their job isn't it is to respond ooh. to culturally to what we're experiencing right now so it'd be fascinating to see what we get after this next but that is, yeah, I mean, that is, I'm really enjoying seeing, you know, artist interpretations of those sorts of themes, I think, right now. So Yeah, I went into a gallery um, last week and I saw, as, as you say, that, you know, that Zoom reference here. And the masks, people using yes. the masks as reference points as well in their Very painting. Very nice. all those on all the old sculptures or yeah. seen the ones with the Mona Lisa wearing the mask. And yeah. I was at the Royal Academy, I don't know, last month, month before. And they put a mask on the Joshua Reynolds um, sculpture, you know, that's in their uh, courtyard. Yeah. So. It's very much good man. Good man. We've all got to wear the masks so that we can all have a good Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> well, you and I are going to go off now and do TN training. Yeah. And oh, I, will be, I will drop you a line when I've done it and then we can have another chat. That'd be, That'd cool. be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And thank brilliant. you. So, we'll be so zen. We'd be so sad. And I am thinking of launching the 21 day. So I did it for a group of artists um, at the beginning of lockdown. I'm thinking of doing that again, the 21 day challenge. So if you're on my WhatsApp list, you might get an invite. Watch out. Okay, cool, cool. And um, next week I'm interviewing Sue Jelly, who was the president of the Society of Women Artists. So she's now the first women president of the Painters and Stainers. So she's going to be fascinating. She's a very lively live wire so 
get coffee before you sit down or maybe even a gin and tonic be ready she's a lively character so i'm looking forward to that but thank you so much Gita. you're very welcome i kept my brace on the entire time this time because last week i took it off for a rest and i stupidly tried to cross my fingers and when you've got a fractured wrist and damaged ligaments that was a really bad idea so <laughs> being careful this week but thank you so much head over to curator salon to sign up for Gita's um newsletter and if you want if you're interested in coaching she does coaching as you heard and the book buy directly from her and i'm sure you're going to see lots more of Gita because i have also can this. i mention i have a podcast as well called oh, you have the podcast. yeah the podcast now that's on your website isn't it but the if they on the website but you can find it any place you get your podcast itunes amazon Spotify. Uh, Spotify. Let's use everybody, include everyone. Everyone. Ours <laughs> are on Spotify. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you can get that. But uh, presumably, you tell people on your social media when you're doing the podcast, do you? Yeah, social media I use is like, yeah, where well, you can find everything about me, to be honest. Um, but yeah, and then similarly, the website, you know, that's got everything as well. So we now, Gita thought we wouldn't go for an hour. I know, we did it, man. We did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> did it <laughs> it's been brilliant thank you so much and you all now need to go back to work because that's your lunch hour done <laughs> and um we'll we'll see you again this time, same time same place next week thanks Gita thank so you. much thanks. brilliant thank you and thanks everyone for joining us see you next week <laughs>